Um, what I would say though is that my year seven teacher became my client two years ago. So really, yeah, man. That's like, and, and the same it's the same year seven teacher that used to kick me out of class. And you know, I remember the thing that she used to say to me as well. But she actually came to me, bought one of my courses, and became a client because she was suffering with mental health two years ago. Hey guys, hello and welcome to another episode of the Bring Your A-Game podcast. We have got another awesome guest with us today. Warren, do you want to give us a little bit of an intro about yourself, please, mate? Yes, I can. Thank you guys for inviting me on this amazing podcast. So my name's Warren Inspire. I'm an international speaker, the founder of the Fearless Speaking Club. I've been doing this now for the last 10 years. Has it been an easy ride? No. I've gone through a lot of mental health. I've gone through loss in that period as well. But the beautiful thing is I've turned my mess from my upbringing, the brokenness, and I've created something which is helping thousands of people in the world. And yeah, so I'm in a place right now where I'm helping people to find their voice so that they can promote what they do, what they offer to the world, so that they can connect and help people to, yeah, just grow through this pandemic that we're in currently. Yeah, it's turning that mess into a message, isn't it? Which we always talk about on the on the group where we actually initially connected. So, um, talking about that, uh, Clubhouse Clubhouse has been a big, big networking platform right now. How have you been finding it? How has it been for yourself? What crack house? <laughs> That's a different conversation. Little <laughs> episode. We'll have you. We'll have you back for that one. Yeah. Um, what I would say, it's been absolutely incredible. I can't speak highly enough of Clubhouse. It's allowed me to to restart the Fearless Speaking Academy. You know, when I came onto this app, I went on there originally to promote my book because I wanted to kind of promote my book, get it out there to the masses. But then when I came on there, I was learning that actually I was listening more. I was hearing what people had to say. And this Clubhouse app is just bringing people from all walks of life, celebrities, professional athletes, all together in the same room. And I, I think I, what I loved about it was just the vulnerability and that you can't BS on this app. And everyone's in it together, speaking, you're learning. And then you get to kind of create your own experience on the app by who you follow, et cetera. So yeah, it's, I can't speak highly enough of it. It's been incredible, incredible. Just uh, just to mention when when Warren came into our he came into our room and just blew the stage. <laughs> it was just incredible. I remember. Yeah, it was so good, man. Thank you, man. I feel like you know I'm in I'm in a place in my life right now where I've allowed myself permission to show up as myself, the person who I am behind closed doors. So that's kind of like the the permission that I gave myself. So which allows me to just show up as myself. So on this app, you know, with my party hat on, my first day on the app, I think I started a room. I did a 24 hour marathon self-development event in my first week on the app. And yeah, I feel like just, I haven't, I've been a student a lot as well. I've, I've came out and I've told them, you know, where I am currently, you know, I'm not, I'm not the full package. I'm still learning, I'm still growing, I'm still healing. But yeah, no, it's been, you know, your group, you know, I think, again, there's not enough men speaking about what you guys are providing on this app and what you guys do. It's needed so, so much. No, we appreciate that. And I think uh, it's one thing that's massive for all of us is, as, as you touched on before, it's about turning that mess into a message. And it's something that we've all had our messes, all of, all of the Adams have, we've learned more about our past and our histories whilst we've whilst we've been on the app itself and listening to other people talk and whatnot. And 
it's made, it's made me personally come to a lot of realizations about things that have happened to me previously that I've potentially not even dealt with or um, not even kind of voiced. And it's been, it's been really positive to be able to lift some of them demons and be able to, to move on and keep progressing with it. Um, mo- moving forward with, with this kind of, do you want to, or moving backwards even, do you want to give us a little bit of a, a timeline, kind of a rapid, little bit of a rapid fire timeline about um, your life so far? Okay, so rapid fire time. So I grew up in a town called Oxford, famously known for universities, cathedrals, boat races. But my side of Oxford, which is very surprising to a lot of people, was very deprived. I grew up in a council estate, one of the biggest council estates in Europe called Blackbird Lease, raised by a mother who was 17 years old, who was a victim of domestic abuse. She was a victim of drug, I don't don't, don't think victim, but she was caught up with drugs, alcohol, she had depression and I went to care when I was eight years old. So you can imagine Oxford is a small place. So when everyone knows, everyone knows everyone and kids in my school, kids can be quite harsh. So I got bullied because of my upbringing. Like my mom was on crack cocaine. So yeah, I just, I grew up in care with just being hurt, feeling muted. I had a stammer when I was a child as well because of just the trauma that I went through. But I had this dream, you know, when I was nine years old, I had a dream inspired by Ian Wright and this guy, came from a similar background to myself. And he just made me believe that it doesn't matter where you come from. If you were good enough at football, you could make it. So that was my football was my way out. That was the light at the end of the tunnel. And then when I was 13 years old, my mom got off drugs, went to rehab, got us all back together again as a family. And I was like, wow, happily ever after. That was my sort of dream. And then we relocated from Oxford to Bristol and I got to start again. And I told people lies, you know, I, I told people things that I wanted them to hear. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to impress people. And then when I was 16 years old, I made it as a professional at Bristol Rovers Football Club. And a bit like Drake, I was like, I started from the bottom, now I'm here. <laughs> but as we know, you can't BS yourself. And all of that stuff that I hid, because I thought I was broken. And I wore many masks to kind of hide that. And I got released when I was 19 years old from football and football was my whole, at the time, that was my whole identity. So you can imagine getting that ripped away from you. I just felt hopeless. I was like, what's the point? I don't get it. I was angry with God. I was just like, what the hell? And I fell into a depression. And that's the first time I experienced depression. I had anxiety. I had panic attacks. I felt alone. And being a man, I didn't really reach out to anyone because I didn't want to be judged. And men are strong. So men, strong men don't cry. They don't do any of this. This is what I thought at the time. And then I had an opportunity at my lowest, like to go and work in America. So I fly out to America and then I came across a speaker by the name of Eric Thomas. This is a guy that's had the same upbringing as myself speaking on stage, like, what up, what up? It's your boy ET. And he was telling, t- telling the audience that his mom was on crack cocaine. And I'm like, like Eric, like, I don't get it. Why are you sharing that? They're going to use that against you. They're going to pity you. They're going to like, you don't want that. And I was very conservative, conservative then back with my, sort of my, my British attitude of being very like, leave that behind closed doors. But at the same time I was crying, I was like, crap, me too. Eric, you hit my heart. And in that very moment, I went from being a victim to almost saying, God, why me? Why, why, why me? Why me? Why me? To shit, everything now makes sense. I had to go through X, Y, and Z to be able to help those people that are still stuck in that place. 
So if I could study psychology, if I could study my mind, if I could achieve these goals and dreams, because I had a dream then of becoming a speaker and reaching a million lives. So I, you know, that was a dream. I did that in three years and reached a million people through social media. I documented the whole journey, did events around the world and found my purpose. And then almost like anything, it's like the gym. If you stop working out, you get unfit. And it got to a point where, you know, I was everywhere. I had so many clients. I was coaching a lot of people and I had a bit of a burnout and I wasn't spinning all of the plates. And then I broke up with my son's mum, And then that triggered something inside of me of, you know, that's the one thing that I didn't want to happen. That when I have kids, I don't want my kid to be in a broken family. So that triggered me. And I was like, so I just buried my head in the sand and I, I, I kind of voluntarily put myself in this depression. I knew what exactly what I needed to do to get myself out of this depression, but I stayed in this depression. And on top of that, my brother died in 2019. And that just took me to a whole, like, I felt suicidal. I didn't want to be here anymore. Um, yeah, everything just meant nothing anymore. And, and this, is, this is only like last year, right? This is last year that this is all like happening. And then my daughter, you know, I fell in love with my beautiful soulmate, Rosie, and she helped me. She stayed with me, even though I was pushing her away and stuff, but she stayed there. She believed in me. She just kept loving me. And she was the reason why I kind of kind of really got myself back into a place where I was like, what would my brother want? And my time in this world is not, is I'm still needed over this side of the world. And so I published my book called The Art of Being Yourself in two weeks. I shared a philosophy of how I reprogram my mind and I put it in a book. And then Clubhouse came along in, when I joined it in February. And then I sold out my workshop on the Fearless Speaking Academy. I've opened that up again. So that's where I'm currently at. That's, that's me. That's my timeline. That's my story right now. Awesome. I think there's so much in there to, to unpick. And yeah. you, you've gone through so much, so much trauma of different things there, mate. And it's, it's, it's difficult. Like I say, it's, I love the line that you you say and you've opened us up. Um, you you've opened us up to in, in Clubhouse about. I don't feel sorry for you. I feel inspired to know you, inspired to listen to your story, and inspired that you've been able to share that with us. And that is the way of phrasing that and talking about that is, I think, it's such a positive spin on things because it turns it turns what we believe it's helping people turn that story into something positive that's going to be able to help other people, which in the, in the darkest of times, if you're talking about losing your brother um, like addiction problems that your mother, your mum's had and stuff as well, it's, it's crazy. And to be able to think about the fact that you're using this life experience that you've had to help other people go through it. It's just, it's such a, like such props, like massive, massive props for you for that, mate. And again, it it, so it aligns massively with what we try and do with their game, don't it? Yeah, it does, one hundred percent. Yeah, changing the narrative around things, and yeah, just to echo what 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 you said there, Hindley. I yeah, I, I remember when you said that in the room, um, and that because there's been times, even when you said your story, Warren, I was it rocked it rocked my inner peace. You know, I I got a little bit upset, and other people's stories. You know, there's been times in that room where I've been in absolute tears. I'm just, you know, my, my phone's here and I've muted it and I'm just, you know, the other guys have taken over because it's just, but then when you said that, you know, I don't feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. I feel inspired. And I started to do that the next time when I heard stories, I just change, change the narrative around it. And yeah, it really does help. Yeah. I think it, it helps in the sense that when you, if you feel sorry for someone, it's almost like they, 
they all stay in that place. Yeah. Whereas like, actually, it's not what we go through in life. It's the meaning that we attach to it. So we can't change what's happened in the past, but what we can change is the meaning. Mm. And once you change the meaning, the story changes. And that's when you go from being a victim to being a teacher and finding your sole purpose in this world. So when I see that, it's almost like, it's like watching a good film and you're watching it with somebody else who hasn't watched that film yet. And you're like, I really want to tell them what's going to happen. <laughs> and, and, and it's that, I feel like, I don't feel sorry for these people because I'm about, I'm about to open, you know, open up their mind to a place that you're about to use this to inspire thousands, if not millions of people in the world. And that's going to give you a sense of purpose that no other, anything else can provide you. I think contribution, helping other people, that feeling that you get is a feeling like no other. So again, yes, so it's like watching, it's like watching a film that you've, I've seen the film. I know that if I didn't go through what I went through, I would not be the man I am. I would not be the father, the speaker, the partner that I am if I didn't go through what I went through. And all I did was change the story. Once I changed the story, the baggage left me. And actually I used that to elevate myself and to connect with people. Yeah, no, it's so, it's, it's so, it's so good. It's so true. Well, I kind of do want to kind of go back and, and pick parts of, like you say, what your story is and kind of attach some questions because I know you're going to have some really good, like really good insight into it. So first of all, obviously, so you're growing up and you're in this environment um, and you, you're in this environment of where obviously a lot of people are struggling in that environment. And like, how important do you think environment is when you're trying to make change and trying to improve your life? Environment is everything. So yeah, environment, is, <laughs> it's, 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 it's everything. You know, we are a product of our environment. So when I started out on this journey, I made my home environment, the growth environment. That was a place where I spend the most of my time. You know, obviously I work from home as well. So I'm reminded of my why. I'm reminded of, you know, I have affirmations all around my house. I'm reminded of the things I'm grateful for. So I have this growth environment at my home where I prime my mind every single morning when I go to bed, I have an evening routine, but it's a part of me right now. It's, just, it's subconsciously conditioned inside of me. But yeah, a lot of people, you know, they're influenced by it. We, we are influenced by our environment. And so it's, it's, being, it's being aware of this. It's, it's standing guard at the gate of your mind and realizing that you only kind of allow in things that you want and reject anything that you don't want. So for example, if there's anybody that's trying to give you any negativity, trying to bring you down, you're standing guard at the gate of your mind. It's almost like, look, that's not coming in my mind today. You're hurt. So I'm gonna extend you some love and I might have to love you from afar, but I'm not gonna allow this negativity to stay in here. I'm gonna be the bouncer of my mind right now. And I'm only gonna allow a certain information in my mind that's gonna grow me and not hinder me. I love that, the bouncer of my mind. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. I just made that up, right? <laughs> Quick, write it down. <laughs> like, but you, you, you're absolutely spot on, mate. Like environments. When you, when we, when Heinz asked you that question, you just smiled at the start like that, and I was like, yes. It's yeah. um, yeah. I mean, you know, what we say, you know, we are products of our environments. That, that's it. And it's almost like, for for example, if I said to you sing a Spice Girls song. I guarantee you, you know the lyrics to a Spice Girls song. Yeah. Yeah, because because our five senses are taking in everything. Our subconscious mind is always on record. So the reason why we speak the language we do is because of our environment. So if, that, if that's the same for language, what else are we kind of putting into our mind as well? Yeah. Uh, no, and I think that one of the hardest things that people 
issues that they come about with is that ability to learn to say no and to become that bouncer because it, it is it's hard it's, it's it's such a hard thing to be like it's the best thing you can ever learn for yourself and i believe it's the one thing that seems the most selfish but is also the most unselfish thing that you can do because you're taking time to as we say fill up your cup and fill fill up your cup before you're helping other people around you and it's it's one thing that a lot of people just don't learn to do. They'll take on everybody else's problems when they haven't even got a chance to deal with their own problems right now. And, um, and again, I, I really like the phrase of being the bouncer of your own mind because you can yeah. let you can let the let the let the good stuff in and keep the bad stuff out. And sometimes some good stuff might get uh, some bad stuff might get in there, but you can rough it up and get it out <laughs> again. That, that, that's it. I think if the, the bad stuff that does get in your mind, you know what jacket that person was wearing. You know that information. Like, I know the colour of like, then you can identify where it is in your mind. So though anything that slips in, I think standing guard doesn't mean that you stop anything negative getting in your mind. It's just being self-aware and finding out what's coming in. So when you do feel like crap, you can actually go back in here and go, actually, that's not serving me. So therefore I'm going to evict or kick out that information. Yeah. Do, you, do you use the power of the breath for that? Or do you assess it in your head and, and change narratives and change meanings? Or because personally, for me, it, I mean, it depends on the situation. Depends what I've let in. But if it rocks me a little bit, then it, it's I. I wouldn't say I, I suppress it. It's just I bring it back to the breath. But that that's what's worked for me. What is it that works for you on that? I love that. Um, um, for me, it's I think once we understand the fundamentals of how the mind works. I then can, like, we can then analyze, like, okay, if I'm feeling down, why am I feeling down right now? And then I will, I will become self-aware, I will journal, I will find out what's happened in that day, and then I'll be able to pinpoint what, why do I, why do I react to that? Because anything that we react to, you know, that's, there's something inside of us that we need to deal with. So it just, once you, we got, I become self-aware of this. So whenever I'm, I'm sensitive to something or I react to something, I don't just dismiss it. I'm like, okay, why am I still reacting to that? What is this? What's not, what's not been resolved inside of me in my subconscious? So I'm just very, I think the fundamentals of how the mind works, I'm very aware of like, I don't have this fixed mind. So I know that anything that's not serving me, I can remove it. A bit like, you know, a computer is our mind. The software that is running on that computer is not your mind, but it's just software of information. And I can go through my computer and be like, actually, let me cross off that tab. That's not helping me cross that tab off. Mm. And then, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I see it. I love yeah, that. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're programmed. <laughs> we're going to do a bit of reprogramming. Yeah. That's it. And I love it. Files in the recycle bin. I love it. <laughs> I'm a visual yeah, person. <laughs> Make sure you, you double click and empty trash every so often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's like, I love that. The, the first, first time I ever came across this was, um, a book called the chimp paradox and mm -hmm. i don't know if you've you've read it before but it was it was it was great that kind of analogy of like the the chimp brain and the human brain and the computer and how like you start you store in what you you're learning and whatnot and how different things can just creep creep into there and whatnot and it it that really opened my mind to to different things and the, the five four three two one habit of getting out of bed <laughs> like overpower the chimp overpower the chimp <laughs> i'm the chimp down yeah, yeah. It's, it's just realizing that our minds are very simple. Like it doesn't work by logic. It works by, you know, repetition. And it's just analyzing that the real you, the authentic you wants no harm to you. So whenever there is, you know, self-sabotage or anything like that, you have to go in to find out what parasite is in there and removing it and replacing it with, you know, 
another belief. Mm. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned, you mentioned Eric Thomas in there as well. And we, we, we love Eric Thomas. We think he's so, he's so powerful. And so like to the point almost with it, with your thinking, it's just so, it's so good. What resonated with, with you most about him? What, what, what made you have that kind of click moment? Do you think when you, when you heard him talk? It's, you know, it's, it's funny because like, I don't watch much of Eric Thomas now, but I think Eric Thomas is great at kind of kickstarting you, getting you into a place of, you know, taking action. And what I think, what I loved about Eric Thomas was just his vulnerability. It was how he owned his story, like a badass. I was like, I was like, whoa, okay. I didn't see it like that. So, and again, it's almost like no excuses. Stop using excuses. As much as the ego loves to like justify why you are where you are, for me, actually, let's remove all of these excuses. Am I like, could I do better? And the answer is yes, I can. So yeah, Eric just kind of like, he makes you kind of, he shuts down, he shuts down your, your excuses. And that's what I love about Eric. Yeah. No, he's, he's, it is so good. And like you say, like you say, it's that, that attitude of like, uh, whatever you, whatever you think you've gone through, there's someone there that's going through something worse. So you can kind of, you can, you can deal with it. Don't give me this this BS and let's get, let's get on with it and start moving forward kind of attitude, which I think is, is, is really, really, really important. And what a lot of people lack really is that everyone's looking for the excuse of diet starts Monday. Oh no, it's Monday. Oh, I haven't got the right food in. So it's another yeah. excuse, another excuse kind of thing. And it's um, that, I think that it just, it just blows and anything you've got is kind of blowing out of the water, which is, which is really, really good. That's it. And I think, I think it's energy as well. You know, like when you, when you have that energy that Eric Thomas has, you will transfer that to other people and you might be in a down place, but he can transfer that energy into you that kind of like motivates you in that moment. And it's up to you to then kind of to continue to put the logs onto the fire so that the fire, that flame inside mm -hmm. of you keeps alive. Yeah, he charges your batteries. He doesn't drain them, he charges them. Yeah. Uh, would, would, go on, Adam. I was going to say like with, because you mentioned with Eric Thompson, you, Thomas, sorry, you had that moment with and I've found my purpose I know what I need to do and it's it's helping people but what is it why why do you love helping people so much because I know how it feels to suffer and I know how it feels to be alone I know how it feels to feel like no one cares and because I know how it feels that gives me a, a, a lot of empathy and purpose like if I can help one person to live a life they're happy and they're loving loving their life and loving themselves and living the life that they want to live if i can help one person to do that it makes sense of why i went through what i went through it makes yeah perfect sense for that as well so it's just contribution i think that's the key to life you know you see sometimes you see people that are terminally ill and they've got a few months left to live and they spend the rest of their life those last three months spreading awareness helping other people and i guess depression for me or feeling suicidal took me to that place where it's no longer about you all the time. You know, sometimes we're selfish. We're, we're brought up to make it all about you. Like your parents are like, oh, you, and celebrate you. And it's all about you. I think sometimes life has to happen to you to knock you off that, that pedestal, whatever you put yourself on, to make you realize that it's not about you. It's about others. It's about service. It's about helping you help other people. So yeah, that's, that's what, what it did for me. Do you think, do you think that Maybe. potentially that and then what like listening to Eric Thomas is that what drove you to to public speaking I think my belief in God so I believe in God so 
just knowing that I had a purpose, man. Like I just like it was almost like I went from being a victim to just it just the 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 penny dropping, like the light bulb moment where I just oh my gosh, I didn't see it like that. It's almost like sunglasses, like I had these shades of sunglasses on where life was so depressed and why me? And, and as soon as I like changed the glasses, it was almost like I saw all of this possibility and and I, I saw myself for who I really was, not the person that I thought I was. And that's how yeah. I see it, is that perception that I just, I was just like, damn, it's just, it's almost like, do you know, those, you know those photos that you see on Facebook where you look at the photo and it's like, can you see the phone on the map? And you're looking, you're like, I can't see this phone on the map anywhere. I can't see it. Have you seen one of those photos where it's like, they're camouflaged in, you're looking for yeah, it. Yeah. And then you take ages to find it. You can't see it anywhere. Like, that's not there, I can't see it. But then when soon as you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. You're like, how the fuck have I been missing this for so yeah. long? <laughs> out. So, it's like, so it's like that. It was like that moment. Once I saw it, and I was like from a different, you know, once I saw a different image, everything shifted. Yeah. There's there's a quote that we we learned. We went we were, at a, we were at a training the other day, a mental health training, and someone said this quote, which I absolutely loved. And it's like everyone, everyone's got one, no, everyone's got two lives. But the the second life only starts when you realize you've got one. And it's like, it seems like that was your, your moment when you're like, I realize I've got one life here. Let's use it. Let's use it in the right way. That's it. It's almost like, do you know what? It's like almost kind of being overweight in the UK or in the Western world. And then you fly over to an African country and you fly in there and everyone's like, oh, wow, you like, they think you're rich and wealthy because being like having that belly is a sign of wealth and strength and it's almost like that whole oh i thought actually i was ashamed of this but in other countries and other cultures it, it does that make sense yeah it does in i know in Indo, in in indonesia the like where women use like fake tan and stuff here they use makeup to make themselves look more pale in indonesia yeah. and it's yeah. like that's the desired desired look and it's like how is that even a thing <laughs> i know i want to i want to be tanned yeah. Sun here in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it is. It is like that, isn't it? It's just, it's just once you, yeah, once you see it differently, the thing like you can't. I always say to people, you can't change what's happened, but once you change how you see what's happened, everything else changes. Yeah. So when you were when you were talking through your story, you mentioned that you had like a, a stutter, um, mm-hmm. and obviously having a stutter as a child to now being a someone who's a speaker on on doing loads of public speaking and whatnot and impacting a lot of people's lives there's got to be a process of a story in between in between that how how long did you have the stutter for did that something that potentially hold you back when it came to public speaking and um, have you always been a confident when it's come to public speaking or is that something that you've built up over time great question Hinley. highly um i would say i still have a starting now so when i get excited about a form of my if I'm with my football friends and I've got something to throw in there and everyone's speaking, my stutter comes out then. So it's still, it's still around, but I think breath work, breathing and yeah, being calm and relaxed and just knowing what you're talking about, that helps a lot with being able to flow. But again, like public speaking, the reason why I created the Fearless Speaking Academy is because I was fearful of public speaking. I was fearful of speaking in front of two, three, four people. And this is how I, how I created the Fearless Speaking Academy was because I was speaking, I was about to speak on stage and I was chatting to this guy. Um, he was speaking as well. And he said to me like, Warren, look, you're nervous right now. And I was like, uh, no. And he was like, 
Well, come on, we're both speakers. Everyone gets nervous when they speak on stage. Come on, just me and you. Do you get nervous now? And I was like, Here comes um, the bouncer. Here comes the bouncer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I, I, I was just like, I don't. And then his question birthed the Fearless Speaking Academy. He said to me, Why don't you get fearful? Why don't you get nervous? And I said, It's because it's not about me. And then when I said that, it was almost like, I could help a lot of people because a lot of people that speak, the focus is on them more so than it is the message. That's why they feel fearful. Like we can't focus on two areas at the same time. So like if I put this finger here and this finger over here, if you solely focus on this fingertip, you cannot think of, focus on that fingertip. And if this represents the audience and that one represents you, like whatever one you look at, that's where the focus goes. And what I do know is that the ego-based fear, this false evidence appearing real, but feels real, like it's connected to the nervous system, the brain, you go into fight or flight, but you can reprogram this. So once I understood that, I reprogrammed my mind to turn that off. So it's almost like false alarm, guys. Okay, heart rate, go back down. Cool, cool. There's no lions, no bears, no tigers, all good. Life's, in, life's safe, Just you're just speaking. And over a period of time, you know, I, I would do things outrageous. Like I went on a reality TV show called First Dates and I went on two actually, one called Love Machine as well, right? But I solely went on these programs to say to the world, like, give it me, give me your best shot and I'm gonna share my story. And I did that, shared my story. I think over 30 million people saw this program as well. So I was just like, that was a scary experience, scared. You know, Chris Moyles was there as well, and Stacey Solomon, and they brought me on stage. I remember thinking like, oh, like, <laughs> my pants but in putting myself in these situations I realized that my life wasn't in danger so when it then came to public speaking I could do that like walking up I could, I, could, I could do that in my sleep because I've been on a reality TV program I've been judged trolled I've been I've sung in restaurants I've done all these crazy things to beat up my ego to say listen right you're, you're good when I, when I play football I'll let you come out because that 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 competitiveness, ego, you're good with that. But when it comes to service and helping people or speaking on stage and adding value, you're my bitch and I'll put you to the side. So that's how I see it. So yeah, I was terrified of public speaking, absolutely terrified of public speaking. But once I under understood the process of why we fear public speaking and I trained my mind to understand the difference between what real danger is. Like if, if you put me in a cage of lions, I will cry like a baby and I'll be like, oh, like that fear there is good, that protects you. But this other kind of fear that we all talk about, the fear of public speaking is BS and I'm not falling for it. So I program my mind to say, no, I'm not going to be scared of someone judging me oh, or making a mistake. Oh, like <laughs> that stuff doesn't bother me anymore. So that's what I learned. So yeah, the question, yeah, the answer to your question was I was terrified of public speaking and I learned how to become fearless and not worry at all. Yeah, that's so good. And like, we always, we always say that the, the fact around it is the, the, excitement and nerves are almost the same emotion and it's whatever label you put on it which turns it turns it around so you could be nervous about speaking or you could be like i'm, I'm excited let's go let's go this kind of tingling this nervous feeling is not nervous excitement kind of idea or you could be like oh, I'm, I'm so nervous what if they boo me what if they don't like me and i think as people we always do it we focus on the the what if it doesn't not the what if it does and it's like, what if it doesn't go well? What if it does go well? <laughs> it's like, 
and then, and then it's, but then it's like why is it about you though why are you focused on about you and how you're how you're performing why don't you just focus on the audience and that person that the person that mm-hmm. the person about that person you're about to speak to is about to end their life so they don't i don't think they care about how you come across as long as you care as long as you come from a place of like sh- that you're listening to me like you're speaking to me i think yeah. that's the most important thing and i think with this, with this energy i get excited when i speak on stage because it's because of the meaning that i've given it it's almost like my daughter's four months old if I get a flame, if I was to get a flame, she would put a hand on that flame because she doesn't know that fire burns. She hasn't learned that lesson yet. So these fears are being conditioned inside of us. And, you know, there's only two fears that we can be born with is a fear of a loud noise and a fear of heights. Every other fear has been conditioned inside of you. And if it's been conditioned inside of you, you can recondition it and remove it. That's powerful, that, mate. That's powerful. Warren, I could listen to you for hours man <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i really really like that and i think that that fact around people's fears and whatnot is 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 really powerful and i think there is so many people that get i, I think this is more of a societal thing about people of all the grown up in life being judged and and it comes back like me personally i've um i used to play music i played live on stage thousands of people like when it comes to public speaking that's like get me on stage I, I love it i thrive in that environment i love doing things like this where talking talking to people interviewing people i don't i'm almost past the point if i make a fool of myself i make a fool of myself i don't care anymore okay. and um and yeah but i i understand where where people come from in them kind of elements there and like the way that you just worded there about it's not about you stop worrying about you focus about everybody else what I wrote down. Now you should see the notes. Those are notes, man. The thing is, Adam, like this is it. If if there was a house that was on fire and it had your bag inside, would you go in that house? Uh, no, no, no. You no, you, you wouldn't, right? But if there was someone that you loved inside that house, were those flames? Were those flames to deter you, or do you still go in that house and rescue them? Yeah, I go straight in. One hundred percent. So it's that you know. I think it's the why. The flames are hot. The flames will burn. But once yeah. you have the right why, why you're on that stage, then there's no fear that can stop you. And I feel like fear, fear is what controls the masses. And it works for animals as well. You know, like what blows my mind is that you see 200 sheep that are all scared of one dog and one old man who's a farmer. And there's 200 sheep there. Like, do they ever not just think together and say, actually, Bob, why don't you go that way? Sue, you go that way. And one of us will escape. But because they're all controlled and conditioned by fear, they just follow each other. And they become herded because that's where everybody else is going. And I think a lot, there's a lot of similarities in life where once we're fearful of something, it seems like in this pandemic, people are fearful. So therefore, um, they are, they're losing their power. But in this space, in this pandemic, there's, you can be resourceful. A lot of people are blowing their businesses up in this pandemic. But some, a lot of people are, their businesses are suffering in this pandemic. It's that fear again, it's the fear. And I think that type of fear it holds a lot of us back. Mm. No, it, it definitely does. And I can, I can just, I'm picturing it now and I can see it and I know exactly what you're talking about. And it comes to that, the, 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 the leader versus the sheep or the lion versus the sheep kind of mentality of, are you going to seize this opportunity or are you going to seize this opportunity? Are you going to follow the herd kind of thing? And, and, and like, explain this to me, how can just say a hundred people or 50 people, the powerhouse of the world, how, how is it that 50 people control 7 billion? I uh, know. <laughs> it's baffling, isn't it? And, and the thing is, it's psychology. They, 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 
that they control the masses through psychology of what you watch, what you listen, schooling, all of these play a massive part on why humans are conditioned the way that they are. So again, it's being that bouncer. And again, I would have known any of this if I didn't go through hardship in my life. When I went through depression, it knocked me off this matrix or this conveyor belt of doing the same Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, clubbing, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, clubbing. And this conveyor belt of life was just doing (laughs) the same shit day in, day out. When I went through depression, I fell off this conveyor belt, lost, dark, depressed, scared. But in that darkness, I found myself, I created myself. You can create yourself in this place. And then you just start, you see things so much more differently. For me, it was like, why am I depressed? Where has this come from? What is emotion? Why do I know to do something, but I'm not doing it? So these habits, how are they running our life? How do I change these habits so that that my habits are positive habits that are helping me to grow in this life? So I think that's, that. I think I kind of see it as like a spiritual awakening. You just start seeing past all of these lies that we've been told. And when you go past that, you can kind of like, you know, David Goggins, yeah and you know Wim Hof yeah yeah they do things that are superhuman because they don't follow the same constructs or the conditioning of the masses they, they've been able to do things that that they're showing us what is possible they're showing us that actually when you reprogram your mind and you create your own programming you can do things like David Goggins does you can run for that long you can be in freezing cold water that scientists say that you'll get hypothermia and die within 30 20 minutes but Wim Hof's having the jacuzzis of ice and all sorts so it it this is what I love I'm just, I'm just the geek when it comes to the mind and just know that when we get into our mind and we start taking control of it there's nothing that you can't do yeah mm. oh, I love that and yeah Goggins is a uh, yeah because of his running his endurance ultra running obviously I look up to him big time and it, it, yeah, it's so true. Everything you just said then, and everything that he says, it's just, it's so true. And the thing is, and it's not even like I'm obsessed about the guys. I'm obsessed with, with the mechanics of how, their mindset. Like, that's what I, like, I just love studying successful people and looking at their mindset. What do they do differently that the masses are not doing? Yeah. And so, it's, just, it's just things that are like resonating with me there because it's like, obviously, I personally, I mean, I, I'm like alcohol free. I'm nearly three years alcohol free. And I remember when I started off on the journey and people said to me, including my own family, like, oh, you're, you're going against, like, how are you going to sort of fit in with groups and this? And how are you going to go to the pub? I'm going to find I, new groups. Then, it's like, <laughs> I'm going up. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing what everyone else is doing. And the thing and is, well, people, people think I'm mad. Or, or, it's not certainly me. Other people, like, I don't know if you're going to run an ultra or if you're going to do climb up Everest. And, you know, it's exactly what like David Goggins says. You know, when people say, oh, you're mad, they respond, I love the answer. No, I'm not mad. I'm just not you. That's it. Mm. And also, like, I, I, I haven't drunk for a very long time as well. And like, I'm with my friends just trying to, uh, go on, have one, just one, because don't be boring. Don't be this, yeah. don't be that. Yeah. And it's almost like, People don't like to suffer alone, so they like to bring people on board to do it as well. And I realized that when I stopped drinking, it's almost like, oh, you're being boring. I was like, I don't need alcohol to go and dance on a dance floor. I can, I can still have the same good night without alcohol. So like, some people need alcohol to be able to, you know, get that Dutch courage. But once you have it, you don't need alcohol. But yeah, I love what you said there now. How long have you been alcohol-free? Um, since, it's been on and off, actually. Um, since 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 i would say since 
2013. But then when my, when my brother passed away and mm. I got fired back from depression and stuff, I started drinking. But like, it wasn't like over drinking. I was just drinking because I just, actually, yeah, I was just trying to numb, numb the pain and stuff like that as well. But I know that, you know, when you, oh my gosh, when you study alcohol and have you, have you, have you studied alcohol, Adam? Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. I've read like, that. like just to throw this out there, they're not called spirits for no reason. Yeah. And when you, when you, when you go to the origin, like some people, some people change when they drink, right? They go, you know, their eyes change. There's just something. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I just know that like, yeah, alcohol is something that, you know, that's why people have a blackout. That's, that's why it's like sex, violence, all of these things happen when you're drunk. Why is that? Why is that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I could do a whole podcast on, on alcohol, probably slow them. Yeah. I've studied it a lot. Um, and it, and it comes back to what we we're talking about before the, the conditioning, it's just society tells you that you, you know, if you've got a problem, have a drink, drink it away. Society tells you if to celebrate someone's party, have a drink, cheers. You know, whose idea was it to associate champagne with celebrations? A very clever marketing person years ago came up with the idea. And then society tells you that, oh, well, if you're not drinking, you're boring. There's all these labels. But like you said, it's just, it's the money, company. money, money. How we've been conditioned, how we've been programmed from a young age. Yeah. We are being sold to every single second of the day. Yeah. It's like women that wear makeup as well. Like women, do you know that you're being sold to, that you've been made to feel like you need to wear makeup? And with with just like all of it, designer clothes, when people wear Gucci and it's, they sold an emotion to us. Everything is just sales. Everything is being sold to. Every time you step foot out of that door, you're being bombarded with information. It's almost like you need reinforcements, reinforcements with your bouncer because you're being, yeah, everything that you see. Sometimes, you know, like even like McDonald's, I used to always say to myself, everyone knows McDonald's. Why the hell are they still spending millions of pounds on marketing? Why are they still doing adverts? Yeah. Oh. Oh, no, no, this is a, it's a, it's a rabbit hole that you could go, go down for ages. <laughs> I think this, and I mean, I was, I was talking about this. Um, yeah, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be coming out, but it's Easter bank holiday weekend now. And I was like, so with the really, the religious story about, um, about Jesus obviously rising and, and whatnot, rising from the dead and everything. Where do chocolate eggs come into it? <laughs> Why are we having chocolate eggs? <laughs> and I know it's meant to be like spring, new life, all this kind of thing maybe, but <laughs> where, where did the chocolate eggs, who decided that? I know, let's eat chocolate eggs. <laughs> it's funny, it's like, again, like, but we say all this, but we still, we're still buying Easter eggs. We're still yeah, like, yeah. No, no, exactly. And I'm, I'm, I'm bigger. I realize like the certain holidays, like Valentine's and these kind of things. I'm like, why, why do come, why do like, I go into Tesco in September and they're selling Christmas stuff. I'm like, this is just a marketing scheme that, and like, I feel like every year Christmas is getting longer, like 30 years time. It'll be, it'll be like ja end of January, it's like get your Christmas look. stuff. You know, I used to think as well, like with, with, I used, to, I used to think CCTV was there to prevent theft, but actually it's there for psychology because they're watching where you go, where people go, so where they know where to put the right products in the right places. This stuff is like, what we're talking about here, for all the listeners that are listening to this right now, we're talking about psychology, the mindset. This is why it's so important to become self-aware and to 
control your mind because if you don't control your mind somebody else will yeah i love that yeah yeah no definitely and have you watched the social dilemma on netflix the documentary on netflix about social media and yes 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 yeah i love that and he's like um jessica hasn't jessica hasn't been on facebook for a while wait wait who's that over there tom okay tom's tom's close he's four meters away let's send him a little notification (laughs) yeah it's so clever isn't it yeah. That, that no, was a, no, yeah. A great. It was so. It, I found it amazing that. But at, the, the great bit was at the end when they were giving all the tips to like how to control your phone, and I, I was like, yes, I got most of them. I've been doing that for like last three years. Love that. <laughs> Save all notifications. Follow, you know, sensible stuff and all, all the other little tips. Um, you know, all my social media, for example, it's not on the first page; it's on the second page. Mm. And it's in That's a folder. Good. Used to be in a folder called useless shit. I have it. I have it in a folder Before called "Addicted." It's called marketing tools. Marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, I used to. I, I had before, like a game properly. I had all my social medias in a folder called "Addicted." So every time I clicked on it, I were like, "You're going into the addicted folder here." I think. I think with social media, you can use it or it can use you. I think if you've got a business or you got a message that you want to promote on it, be intentional. Like, no, realize when you're watching just little cat videos of cats jumping off a house or whatever it may be that's not that's not doing you no good like watching the odd video like but i go on there you know building your brand your messages and again the consistency you know i feel like with what you guys are doing as well with mental health and you know fitness and nutrition and all of that sort of stuff people that need your help the most are on social media and so Mm -hmm. when you're intentionally on there in clubhouse and these apps that you're you know you're serving, you're adding value, and also you're growing your business as well. Like, I can't wait to get to a place where I can say to social media, like, just, like, <laughs> I can just leave it and just, or get somebody else to do it. And just, I love being on stage and impacting and being with people in person. I hate this whole, well, I hate it, but I, like, I'm just, it gives you a false sense of living. Like, you feel like, you've, you feel like you're socializing, but really you're on a phone and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's how you use certain things. It's like, say this podcast, I'll cut this up and this will be like probably like two Instagram posts, a couple of reels will go on TikTok a few times. It'll go on LinkedIn and I'll reuse this bit of content that we're doing for the podcast like a lot of times and I'll make sure that we, we do that in the right way. But I've seen some of your stuff and the fact that when you're doing your thing on stage, you can then use that on social media. So you're not even having to worry about kind of the content creation side of things and stuff. You're just doing what you love. And then the products, the the byproducts of that is making the content anyway, because you, and it, I think it, it works great when you've got it, when you've got it into different elements like that. And it, it, it comes obviously like, this is obviously more like the business side of things, I guess, really, but it's um, all kind of like leads, leads background into like how it affects your mental health at the end of the day, That's like it. how, even as even as business people, like the pressures of have we posted today, what are we posting, what content's going out, are we hitting the algorithms, whatever this, that. It's kind of a lot of just it's a lot of bollocks, but it's in, in business terms, it's something that's almost got to do a little bit for the yeah. time being. Yeah, like I, 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 with social media as well, like I've built my business on social media. I documented my journey on social media. I would not be probably a speaker or have the leverage and reach to people that I've re- reached if it wasn't for social media like I created a program actually when I first started out on this journey I created a program called a 21 day mind and body program and I basically just chopped up my story strategically found out the know-how 
and the strategy steps and the recipes and the roadmaps. I put it into a 21 day program. I recorded it on my iPhone. It took me about five hours to record. And I put it on SoundCloud, no fancy branding on it. And I said, look, I'm looking for 10 people who are serious about changing their life. Like if you feel like you're in a rut right now, you feel stuck, you feel lost. You don't love yourself. You're low on confidence, just 10 people. And I said to each person, I said, look, I'm about to sell this program for 200 pounds, but I'm looking for people that want to do it because they're ready to change their life. So what I do with you, you can do it for free, but if you give up, you pay the money. Are you down for that? And they were like, yeah, 100%. And they documented their journey. They got phenomenal results. And then I sold over just under 40,000 pounds my first month in business with doing this. And it was via social media. And I had no fancy branding. It was just me, video, um, and the results, the results that people wanted, they were getting. And so that's the power, I think, of social media as well. Like, mm-hmm. it's incredible. We can reach a lot of people and... Yeah. So yeah. So like, it's helped me a lot. Like I think a job, a nine to five job that I don't like is more detrimental to my mental health than it is being on here. Yeah. Yeah, I think people, people in themselves, certain people are, um, the number, the way I like looking at it is you can be a number one, a number two or a number three. And number one is a person that you're unemployable. Basically you, you want to work for yourself. You've got your own ideas. You're always running through your, your own mind about certain things like the entrepreneur real, but like a true entrepreneur kind of things. And you've got your number twos that have got a little bit of that, that uh, you've got a little bit of your own ideas and you're probably like good managers, like project managers coming up with your own ideas, but then accounting to the number one. And then you've got your number threes who are the people that are just happy sitting like cozy, comfortable life, getting the, the regular wage. They're not really bothered about say, bonuses or anything they're just they're just there just to to get by and live and i'm a number one i'm 100 percent number one my uh like my previous employees have just been like like i'm I'm so all over the place with ideas that i've got and at work and it's like i can't i'm not i'm just not employable basically (laughs) and it's it's i think it's that that mentality of knowing where you're at and try and finding a job that suits that so there's 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 number ones twos and threes everywhere that we look but i imagine a lot of people. You, if it wasn't for your life experiences, though, would you always be a number one, or what you've been through made you become a number one? I, I, I'm not sure. Like I personally have been, like I always look at this as like I'm severely dyslexic. I've got really bad dyslexia. I took my English GCSE six times before I passed it to go to uni to do physio. And then at uni, I was told not to try and shoot too high because of the academic side of it and the writing side of it. But yeah, I did a a practical degree and ended up doing really well in it. And then as soon as I finished university, the natural next progressional step was to go to uh, the NHS and work in the NHS. And I didn't want to do that. I started my own business and uh, I started my own physio business, uh, like freelancing and licensing to other other physio businesses and renting their spaces out and stuff and ever since then i've always been what's next what's next what's next i've never been i'll get to this level in the nhs and i'll get a good 40 grand a year and i'll be comfortable there so i think it has been something that's deep rooted into me like i look look back my mum and dad both self-employed on their own businesses but they haven't quite got the drive and passion to be at the level where i want to be yeah it's yeah i think it's, it's interesting i feel like I was only exposed to a better life when I was in America and I was living, I was coaching soccer over there. So I was living with really wealthy families every week. I would go to a new home. I was like, I went to 18 different States and I just was in this mansion that was made out of glass. And I was like, they had a basketball court downstairs. They had a swimming pool that went around the house. And I'm like, 
I don't know, I just never seen this side of life. And I was like, what the hell? And then, <laughs> and, then, and then I just realized that, why is it okay for them to have that and not me? And then that's when it changed. And I, and I realized, I read a book called um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, great And book. I was like, I felt like going to all of the jobs, those little retail jobs that I worked in and said, I want my bloody time back. You sold me a lie. And it's like, it was peak speaking. For example, I would get paid 3,000 pounds for a speaking gig for 45 minutes. But when I was working in retail, I'd have to work two, two and a half months to get that same amount of money. And it was like, like it, that moment when it happened, it was a brain fart, it just didn't make sense. And I realized actually it's the value that we bring. And the more we work on ourselves, the more we love ourselves, the more we kind of like want in life or the more of, of a better life, a life of peace and happiness and anything that's not really serving that or is stressing you out, you kind of propel away from you because of just your self-worth. So I think the more that I've built my self-worth, the more I've realized that I'm not gonna be somebody else's bitch. I'm not gonna do something that is not gonna be harming my well-being or my health, if that makes sense. Yeah, this resonates with me so much right now. <laughs> um, no, it's, um, we, we literally had this conversation the other day of that I'm, whilst A-game is only three months old, I'm still working as a physio in a clinic one day a week. And there's, there's loads of stuff that's been going on with it at the minute. But basically, on Fridays when I work, we signed up two new clients and literally the business earned twice what I'm earning in a month and I was sat at working for a day in the business just earned twice what I was doing in, in a month in that one day a couple of hours and I'm like why am I still doing this <laughs> and, and, and that's it I think the deeper as it gets as well money is money even real like there's footballers that are getting paid 500,000 pounds a week even like for example in this pandemic and the government have come up with all of these like where did this money come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah. So I feel like just, you know, if, yeah. you, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So long as you love what you do. And I think it, it comes back to your values and where your values are placed, like our business value to help as many people as we possibly can. It's like, it's one of our things that we want to do. We want to be like yours is to, to help, to, to help a million people. Like you said there, yeah. um, Ours is to help as many people as we possibly can. We don't and put a number on that, but um, that doesn't come cheap. Like you need to build a brand, you need to build, you need to build um, a business and a, a brand. You need to travel to these places. This doesn't. You need to be like putting yourself in the right positions in front of the right people. Yeah. Unless you're in them, these right circles, and a lot of the time finances come into the play when you get into these circles, that you're not going to be able to do it. So I never see it as like a, a vein, like I want to be worth this much money kind of thing. It's I want to help as many people as I can. And realistically, if we're going to get there as a business, which I, I massively believe we are, yeah. it's, well, we will, we will. It it's it's going to, yeah, it's, it's happening already. It's, it's happening already. <laughs> <laughs> we need to, like that, the finance needs to be there to, to, to aid it in that, in that respect. And, like, like, like you're saying yourself, it's, you get, you come into them positions where the speaking jobs are coming and you are getting paid a, a nice little whack for, for the, the, the 45 minute speaking jobs. So, and and I, I think what you guys are doing at the A-game, like you, that you're collaborating, it's three of you, that's three minds that are coming together. You know, there's no hierarchy, no egos, you're coming together for the greater cause and you've all got three different gifts that you bring to, you know, um, the A-game, what you bring to it. So, you guys have done something huge already in just coming together. It's, do you know how hard it is to bring three personalities together to be on the same ship? 
so you're doing you're doing absolutely amazing at what you guys are doing man and it's and it's needed and we're living in a world right now where it's needed more than ever so mm-hmm. i have no doubts that you guys are going to absolutely blow up hugely and you guys are consistent you're professional and you're always showing up on social media and that's it once people start to know you like you and trust you and they start referring people to you then and people yeah you'll be inundated yeah Although we appreciate that, mate. That is it's big and coming from someone like yourself that is doing it and is has has done a lot of the public speaking stuff, it's 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 something that's really it does mean a lot to us. Yeah. Yeah, do you know what I'm I'm starting again as well though, because the last three years I've been through depression and um being feeling suicidal this time last year. Um so since Clubhouse, I created the fearless speaking academy again since Clubhouse. You know, I just saw the potential of of how many people I could help with communicating effectively, you know, like I just, it opened my, my mind up to my purpose again. And I, I had money blocks. I'll be honest with you, right? My last thousand pounds I had in November time, just had a daughter, I had 1,000 pounds left. I invested at 1,000 pounds into my book. And then I sold 550 copies since January the 1st. And I plan on selling 100,000 copies by December. I don't get caught up too much on the how, um, but the how, the steps of being kind of like, you know, Clubhouse, you know, has been one of those, avenues and then other projects but i don't even think it's, it doesn't matter how much money you have it's the know-how on how to make money and to know that money is not real actually you can make as much as you want you get what you ask for basically it's like homeless people when they ask for a pound you they kind of get a pound why don't you ask for 20 pounds and if they say no and they give you a pound we still get a pound i think sometimes mm-hmm. in life you know it's like i've said i'm gonna make two hundred thousand pounds in the next two months and am i anywhere near that no but what i've done is i put the work on Clubhouse, on social media. I've set up, you know, the workshops, the Fearless Speaking Academy. And again, it's just the know-how. It's putting all the things in places. And if you've made, because I've made a considerable amount of money in the past, I have the know-how, but I didn't have these mental blocks because I haven't had that money for the last two, two, three years. So it's breaking through these, 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 um, these money blocks and saying that actually, look at the, look at the services that we're providing. The service that we're providing in monetary term, they can't repay you for what you're doing for them. So that means it's priceless. So whatever you charge is a discount because they can never repay you. So if you're helping them with their mental health, what does that do for their life, their family's life, for their business? It's just priceless. So that, that's what my, my, reminds me, like, it's just a share on here is that anyone who's listening to this as well, like, if you work, the bigger the problem that you solve, the more money, which is the byproduct of what you do, you will get. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah so many things resonated then. <laughs> super powerful, mate. Super what, powerful. Yeah. Talking yeah, so of doing what you love and then the, the money will come, won't it? That's just yeah. how it is. And, and, and then, but, but knowing the value of what you have to offer. A lot, of people sh- a lot of people don't know the value of what they're offering. Like for me, I coach business owners on how to communicate effectively on stage, on how to sell their services effortlessly on stage, how to get people to go from so what to me to where do I sign up? That's what I provide. So the ROI, you know, yeah. So I'm just sold on the value that I have to offer. And I think yeah. once we know the value, then we don't feel like sleazy or salesy or conning people because you know yeah. the value of what you have to offer. Yeah, and we we always we always kind of flip that around a little bit. It's like everyone's return on investment, return on investment. It's like, what about your return on time? Like that's that's a big. You don't get any more of that. <laughs> so, that's so it. it's like, 
yeah what can you what where is your return on your time going to be and like how many people can you help with that time and whatnot as well which is which is the big which is a big thing for us and that's the one thing that we say to people is that like especially clients and stuff that we work with it's like look like you could do this now or you could do this in 10 years time but what you what you what you're going to feel like for them 10 years you don't get that 10 years back Mm -mm. and so speaking of time how long did it take you to write the book warren two weeks two weeks two weeks oh ultimate focus there all distractions out the window just on it yeah i think i think again back to purpose but obviously it took me longer because i've read hundreds of books and i've got a lot of experience of what i've done so originally it probably would have took 10 years but I got it out there because it was all stored in my subconscious. So I kind of just flowed with it. I literally recorded it on my iPhone. And then I worked with a ghostwriter who could write in a certain way that, you know, again, I wouldn't call myself dyslexic because I don't like these identities. I'm just, that's not my superpower. My superpower is communicating and being creative. But yeah, writing is not my thing. So I worked with a ghostwriter who I connected with, who could really get across my tonality of how I'm speaking in person into a book to make it conversational and it's a book that when people read it they finish it because I sell the idea of finishing the book first it's a commitment so um yeah like I think everyone can like once you do your first book by the way it's almost like oh my god <laughs> why was I what the hell why was why was I putting it off for so long and it's it's very easy enough I've found a process on how you can do it under four weeks easily it's just a lot of people get overwhelmed by I need to do this, 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 yeah. this, and they, they don't do it. I think that a, a book for me would be the ultimate challenge that I'd want to take on at one point because with, with my background and it's it's limiting beliefs that I put on myself with my dyslexia, but it's limiting beliefs that have, have happened around me as well. Segregation of learning disabilities when it comes to things in school, taking out of classes and stuff, teachers telling me not to aim too high, being put into lower lower groups for other subjects because my English isn't very good and whatnot. But I think that that would be the ultimate thing. But, and I think like what you say, what you're talking about there is the communication. If you can get someone to help you who can get how you communicate across. Cause I mean, I, I haven't read your book yet, but it's on my list and yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to definitely going to get into it. Is it on audio? Do you have it on audible? I have it. I do have it on audiobook. I just need to transfer it since crack I mean Clubhouse. Since that app, I haven't had time to just basically. I just need to just transfer it from um, my computer to software, but then it will be on audiobook. I think it's important. Yeah, it's because a lot of people have asked me. Like, so yeah, it's just a matter of like me doing it, and I keep playing it off because I get pinged into something or I've done a group. Or yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm planning to do that. But going back to what you said, you know. I got kicked out of my class in school for just not paying attention, not getting it, dropped down into certain gr- like great um, groups that they give us a they give us a bunch of coloring pens. <laughs> like whoa! But um, what I would say though is that my year seven teacher became my client two years ago. So really, yeah, man. Awesome. Like and, and the same it's the same year seven teacher that used to kick me out of class. And you know, I remember the thing that she used to say to me as well, but she actually came to me, bought one of my courses and became a client because she was suffering with mental health two years ago. And I've had doctors and lawyers as clients as well. So all I know mm-hmm. is that, you know, these identities that they put on us, because they want vanilla, they want square. If you do not fit in those boxes, they will label you 
to be X, Y, and Z. And this is why I don't say that I'm like got ADHD or I'm dyslexic. I just know what I'm good at and I hone in on that. And if anything that I'm not so great at, I will build relationships with people that are great at doing that. And then we collaborate and we make it happen. But I'm comfortable with not knowing or not being good at certain things because I'm not passionate about that. I'm passionate about what I'm good at. And I stick with that and I use Google and YouTube to find out anything else I need. I love that. And I think it's, for me, one of the things is the power of letting go and the power of letting go of the responsibilities of it sometimes. And, um, and like issuing that out to the people is, so I'm a pretty, I think I'm a, I am pretty much of a, I don't want to give myself, no, you've just, you've just said it. I'm not giving myself that label. Yeah. <laughs> I hear it. When, when people tell me that they're dyslexic, I, I feel it's just like a, not a shame, but it's like, it's like, a, I'm, it's like, it's, it's like, it's not like a superpower. Like when you say it, it doesn't sound like a superpower. It sounds, it sounds like something that's like, maybe you down a little bit. And it's almost like an alligator, a giraffe, an elephant, a monkey, if they all had the task to climb a tree, a monkey would do it effortlessly. All the other animals would, would, would struggle, wouldn't be able to climb a tree. But does that mean that these animals are, you know, inadequate or can't do, like, they're all good at something. It's just find out whatever you're good at, do that, and ask for help or work with people that are good at things that you're not. And I think yeah. when you get comfortable with that, and again, it's, it's, it's passion, man. I think I feel like if you had teachers in your school that were passionate about teaching you, that saw that actually maybe you learned differently from the other students, because how can one teacher teach 30, 30 individuals the same method? It's not going to work. We learn very differently. So as a teacher, when I go to schools, you know, and as kids that I've got, you know, ADHD, autistic, I'm conscious of, I need to make it fun. I need to build rapport and I need to learn their language because I take the responsibility if they're not learning. I don't blame the students for not learning. I take this responsibility because I, I have the information that I need to teach them. So I need to teach it in a way that they can understand. And the thing is, I think a lot of teachers, not like, I think there's some amazing teachers out there, but like back in the day, I just feel like there are some teachers that were just like, they were so overwhelmed with all the marking and just being a teacher that a lot of kids got kind of just put in a circle, put, in, put, put into the corner and, yeah, it's just, it's just it's, I think it's revisiting that place as an adult as you are now and being like, damn, it wasn't about me, it was them. They just didn't teach me passionately enough. I love no, that. I think, yeah. No, I yeah. Yeah. Just makes you, you, you really, you're really good at making you think about stuff that's happened in your yeah. life. I'm just yeah. there, like everything's like, oh, shit. We, should <laughs> we should re-record this, the intro for this podcast and just <laughs> our listeners to buckle up, bring a pen and paper. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also people that people that are listening, I always say that to people, when you listen to podcasts, anyone who's watching this or listening to this right now, don't just listen and go, yes, this makes a lot of sense. Take action in all of this. The reason why we spend time doing this is that we want you, the listeners, the watchers, to take action, like take action, action, action. And it's always one person that will watch your podcast or listen to it or watch one of your videos and they will take action. So just make sure that person is you. Just want to throw that out there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Anyone who's uh, listening to this right now and not watching it back, uh, Warren's book is called The Art of Being Yourself. It's sat on his left shoulder at the moment. There it is. <laughs> this book, man. And what I put on the back of the book is this. If you could show up just being yourself, what would your life look like? Like, what would your life look like if you could show up in your everyday life being you? If you learn how to lose the fear of being judged, how would that make you feel? 
You know, like that person who you are at home when you're relaxed, comfortable, when you're with your partner or if you're someone that you feel so comfortable with. Imagine being like that in any room you walk into, anyone that you speak to. Like, that's what this book's all about. I share the strategies on how to reprogram the mind. You, it's, uh, there's, there's exercises in, and things to do in this book that once you apply it, and again, only get the book if you're going to take action. Because if you don't take action, it will just collect dust and be on your um, book cover. But just take action. The information is there. I, I always say, like, the, person, the first person that made the brownie could have spent five years, 10 years to make the brownie. But once that person that, and, you know, got the brownie out there, they then wrote down the recipe and then it helps us to then do it in 45 minutes. So I'm guessing like what I've put in the book is years, 10 years of research and experience and going down dead ends and all sorts. And I've condensed it into bite-sized pieces that you can implement and get to A to B in a fraction of the time. So I'd share that. Yeah, tagline for the book it's the baking book for your mind recipe where can where can people get your book yeah I was say. so so, so I'm, I'm working on this kind of like this ai equipment at the moment so if you go to your back garden and you and you kind of holler do, 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 do. <laughs> on the moon on the moon you put like you'll see the quote card again. So, um, <laughs> you can find the book on amazon so yeah, and also as well, my Instagram is Warren Inspire. Um, you can check that out, and there's a link on there as well. You can get the book. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that all the links are for the book and your social medias and stuff are all in the, the description. Is Instagram the main one to get to get people to go over to you? Yes, Instagram is booming right now because of Clubhouse. Because before it wasn't at, it wasn't as active like Facebook was my main sort of platform, but now Instagram is going crazy. I think I've got like ten point one thousand. I had six thousand before Clubhouse. Nice. And it's just blown up through Clubhouse. So, yeah, yeah, Instagram is definitely the place that I kind of hang out the most right now. Yeah, and I, I encourage anyone, anyone who's listened to this, to go over and give you a follow because you have some fantastic content over there. Just amazing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah and, and, that- and, if, and if anyone gets my book as well, if you if you do a screen print and like tag me on Instagram, I give away free coaching sometimes as well. So what I'll be doing mm-hmm. is that I'm asking people to do a screen print and they've got the book. And we'll pick someone out randomly. We'll do a free coaching session. Sometimes we do live coaching sessions as well so we can help more people. So if you want that, just, yeah, tag me. Uh, That's awesome. uh, Like my book list of what I'm reading next. And sometimes I I fight over like which one I'm going to read next and that one goes down. But I tell you what, the book I'm going to read next is your one. Wait, wait, wait. Are you just saying that? Are you just saying that, Adam? No, I'm being serious, man. You've sold it to me (laughs) on this. the thing is for me a lot of books have a lot of fluff in it a lot of storytelling in that that's not really sort of like okay cool i don't know why you had to say that with my book what i've just done is i've cut all around the bs and just practical steps that you can uh, that you can implement and also i think with loads of books i kind of i pick five books i'm reading through different five like when i go through books now i scan books look at different chapters and what i want to learn and to treat it like a supermarket and just get out what i want yeah. yeah, I've been thinking that recently when I've been listening to him. I'm like, I'm just going to skip chapter one now because yeah. <laughs> like, like, I, I don't need this. Chapter one, like the author's put a lot of hard work into chapter one, but I suppose it depends, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, I, I love your Auntie Jane, but I don't think how Auntie Jane's going to help me to learn how to do time management. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 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 I just want to know, tell me the steps on how I can become better at time management. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, like, I'd love to know the percentage of people that pick up books and don't finish books. 
And that's one thing that I'm guilty of sometimes as well. So that's one thing that I focus on in my book was that how can I write a book in such a way that people pick it up and they can't put it down? Yeah. And so that's just kind of statistic that you can't necessarily track that, is it? I mean, probably on audio, you would eventually, but it's like how many people are actually picking it up and getting to the end of it? It's something that you, you can't necessarily track, but it's interesting to see because we know we know that there's the statistics about online courses and people like, like 98% of people don't finish online courses or something ridiculous yeah it's, it's, it's because people are used to that microwave sort of meal aren't they they, they want the results yeah. here and now without putting that work in yeah mm, exactly but, but, but you guys I think you you guys should literally you, you you guys could publish a book within three weeks easily you both do like two chapters each and you all co-author it, put it on Amazon. Again, that's branding for your company. And your first book, for me, when you're an author, that means you're going to have several books. So I want to get to five books in and be like, <laughs> that was my first book. Oh, like I want to be able to just grow with it. So, and it's the process, man. The process is so easy to put on Amazon. Like I've, I've, um, I think I've made around, like I invested just under, 700 pounds in my book and i think i've i've made now about three thousand pounds on my book and people are just buying it now and it's like at first like the marketing is quite hard because when you're when you're first getting out there you know um people don't know who you are or like they need to be sold in it but then soon as people start buying it and leaving reviews and then people start putting like on my instagram people put like posts and stuff and then other people are buying it it's it, it's it's a bit crazy because right? sometimes like it's a bit of an intimate thing as well. So when people are reading your book, like, oh, they're, they're, like, they're coming into your house almost. Um, and obviously I've, I've got all five-star reviews so far. And I think I had one like troll one-star review. And I was like, you, I'm going to find that person. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so yeah, definitely like, and it doesn't have to be a big book as well. Like just even, even a journal, like, you know, on, on, on Amazon, you can do journals, short reads, um, like it's called low content books. But again, mm. you could, put it on there for 20 pounds, 15 pounds a journal, a mindfulness journal. And then once it's on Amazon, then they promote it for you. And then, yeah, it's just, it's was that residual income, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Quite highly. Roll, let's have a rolls and goals meeting after this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Prioritize. Prioritize. <laughs> branding, branding. Like literally how many people are on Amazon, even if your logo is just on these things. Like for example, I've done a coloring book, you know, um, for stress, like Mandela coloring book with inspirational quotes. I went to Fiverr, I got these little coloring palettes of what to color in. And when people are stressed out and stuff, go and, go and do some coloring for five minutes. Present, keep, keeps your mind present, call the book, you know, the de-stress or whatever it might, you might, might want to call it and brand it with your logo. And you, you'll be surprised by how many people buy it. I've been saying this to the boys for a while, not coloring books, but products with, with our logos on it yeah. and branding. I've been like, let's do it, boys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and goals tomorrow. I think the more, the more platforms you, you can, again, it's, it's about creating that brand. It's like McDonald's. You know, we know the theme tune of McDonald's. That's how good their branding is. And mm. you just want to be everywhere. You want to be, like, don't invest all your time everywhere, but be, have a face everywhere so people can, and then direct them to your main platform of wherever you are kind of like you motion yeah, definitely yeah oh, that that that's that's awesome mate and again you're just making making me think my brain's going at 100 miles now i'm gonna have to meditate after this to cool myself down one thing that we we do on this podcast is one thing we love to get people's opinion on this and we've probably we've touched on it and spoke about it in uh, in our rooms before but 
we ask every every guest that we have this this one question of what does strength mean to you? Okay. And then um, we'll go over and go through our, over our meaning um, afterwards. Strength means to me the ability to be yourself regardless of who or where you are, who's judging you. Strength is the ability to keep getting back up and not losing that that drive. Strength is that yeah, just that power to be able to keep standing in your truth and walking in your truth. That's that's my definition of being of strength. Nice. And I I love listening to people talk about this because we we basically of, of our, our way of saying strength is resilience times vulnerability equals strength. Like that, we just short, short and sweet, but it just makes you think and like the way that you've worded that about people getting back up and moving forward again comes to the resilience. And then you said about sharing stories and everything and that vulnerability of being able to come out and actually do that. And we, everyone has, there's the, the the basically say the same thing same thing but in their own way of saying it and it's it's so it's so powerful and then we always just bring it back to the fact of that it's that vulnerability and the resilience put together and we believe that that shows the strength in your in your life with what That's you're doing it. right now and when you say that as well i kind of pictured you know how a muscle grows you know like when you go to the gym strength you you become stronger once you that that muscle is you know, being vulnerable to a weight that it can't maybe or struggles with and it breaks down and then is it is it hypertrophy where the hypertrophy yeah yeah it grows stronger so I'm seeing that as well. Mm. No, I think that's a, a very good like a visual representation of it because people obviously strength to a lot of people is how much you can bicep curl the kind of thing. <laughs> we're we're a little bit deeper than that right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, no, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I love that, mate. And then, um, big thing then what is, what is next for you? What, what things are on the horizon for you? Obviously COVID is slightly loosening a little bit, hopefully. Yeah, yeah it's weird because I've, I've come cut off. I've like become comfortable with COVID right now. It's almost like I can start doing these like meetings in my boxes and all sorts of like, I think, I think since COVID, <laughs> since lockdown, we've been able to have like these haircuts and all sorts. Look at my hair, man. Blimey. But, Why do you think um, I'm wearing a hat? We're <laughs> <laughs> both wearing hats. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but what I would say what's next is, you know, we've grown a strong members of, of, of a following on Clubhouse of 2000 members now in just over, over two weeks. So I want to create a trainer's trainer's program where I teach people the fearless speaking way that they can then open up rooms under the club and then also run virtual events around, um, obviously around the world because it's virtual and then keep running fearless speaking workshops. So I, so I teach people on how to lose the fear of public speaking, but then there's, there's different tiers. So if people want to become a full-time speaker, that's a different package. So I want to kind of hone in on that. And then after this lockdown, I've been organizing a world speaking tour. So I've been connecting with people again on Clubhouse who've got, you know, um, venues that have got locations around the world. So we've got Sydney, Kuwait, New York. Um, we've got London, Barbados. Like these are all kind of like contacts that I've connected with that are, we're going to be creating events together. And yeah, so that's that's the plan, the big world speaking tour. And just teaching people, more people how to, sp how to speak fearlessly, how to 
use the art of communication to grow their business and also to build better relationships. Because I think the better you can communicate, the better you can resolve conflict and that you can get your message across. No, I love that. And amazing. Yeah, yeah, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it, man. Let's, yeah. yeah, I think mental health is going to be a huge thing. Like, we're going to be needed in the mental health realm. Like, it's going to be needed most right now, especially. Are you guys going to work in schools and stuff? We're, we're looking at, there's, there's a few different avenues right now, and we're, 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 about to, um, we're about to look into a project with Kirk, do you know, uh, is in our is our group yeah. about um, chefs wellness and stuff. Um, so we're currently working on some things with him that's in the pipeline. That there's been talks about colleges and stuff doing work around colleges and stuff and whatnot, and helping people understanding the the things that the the things that the the need because we always talk about this. People want to feel better. That is what they want. They yeah. don't necessarily know what they need to do to fit to do that. So. It's like when it comes to our program and our things that we talk about, it's that we give people what they need by selling them what they want. And um, it because people don't realize that that back pain, that irritating little niggle that you've got is pissing you off is making your productivity rubbish and that you're, uh, and you're holding, holding on to a lot of tension and just stressing your day-to-day because you've got that back pain. The same thing when you're eating rubbish foods all the time. You don't necessarily think that you need to change them things. You don't necessarily want to change them things, but you yeah. need to. And it's, that's where we, we come into it. But if we told people, like, I'll fix your back pain, it's not worth the same as I'll make you feel better. That's it. Yeah. And it, when you say that, what comes to my head again, again is like, you know, if you throw a frog into boiling hot water, the frog will jump straight back out. But if you put mm. a frog into warm water and slowly heat that water up, the frog stays in until it dies. So with our health, our health is our wealth. And all of these signs that our bodies are giving up, giving off a kind of symptoms. It's a bit like a car, right? When you get in all these warning lights and people mm-hmm. kind of just like dismiss it. But mm-hmm. it all plays a part in your well-being and yeah. vitality in life. What I was thinking as well is that I want to, again, you know, since I've been in your group on Clubhouse with mental or with men's mental health and just seeing the growth that you guys have created and the, the t- stories, people talking and crying and opening up, it's just powerful. I want to be able to go around sports academies, so football clubs, youth academies, and if you guys wanted to be clever to share, we can talk about this as well at another point, but I can see us kind of working together where we go and do a tour of the UK of different rugby academies, sports academies, and talk about well-being. Basically, what you guys are doing, or what I can see you're doing on Clubhouse, but doing it in these situations where we're speaking to the boys and the boys are like, yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, know, yeah. I know yeah. so with, my, with my football club, like, I'm very much like, they're all, they drink, do whatever they need to do on the weekends and stuff. But they're very angry on the f- on the field. I'm like, guys, you do know when you're when you're criticizing people on the fit pitch, they're not going to play better because you're doing that. Yeah. It's a way of how you can encourage and motivate your team yeah. and stuff as well. So, yeah, I think in the sporting world, especially, outcome. yeah, especially at grassroots, it's needed. Yeah. yeah, no, I think there's there's definitely a remit for that. It's like I say, I played I played rugby at university. I've been right in that kind of environment. Of, of lads 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 and we were talking to someone actually and they were, they were saying ex- like pretty much exactly what you're saying there is that for us i don't know how much the, like the divide is of like men's mental health in the south is more recognized than what it is in the north i think because 
potentially a lot of like mining old school kind of in like the industries around that and like um weakness is you catch your weakness kind of thing but the fact that we've been told that the fact that we're three northern lads that are openly talking about these things that are quite vulnerable and and whatnot and that this is really powerful and the fact that a lot of people can resonate with it but again i think this leads to this is another conversation and we'll have to get you back on and we'll we'll talk more about things like this in the future but it's putting ourselves in the position of like everything that's been going on in the the world at the minute like the women's rights and the black lives matter is as three middle class white males we are in a position of where we can resonate with a lot of other middle class white males and we like i'm super super passionate about everything with the blm everything women's rights and everything that's like happened around mental health and especially like Meghan Markle and uh, Sarah, the story that happened with her recently. And then obviously George Floyd and everything, everything that's happened there. And I, again, this is another conversation. I don't want to go too much into it, but the fact that we are in a business of three white males of from a privilege, yeah. in a sense, we, we need to be able to help people and recognize that by talking out about these things, because if it was, if I was a black woman and I was talking about this, then white males wouldn't listen to me. But because yeah. I am a white male and I'm talking about it, then I can my voice can be heard more. Definitely. So. And I think, you know, I've spoken all around the world. So I've spoken in Vietnam, to the Caribbean, to America. My hardest ever gig was up north in Scunthorpe. And I'm not going to lie, right? I got booked to speak at this event. <laughs> I got there and it wasn't even actually like... I wasn't the main attraction of this event. I was just an added bonus. They had, a, I think, a fundraiser. And I'll never forget it. Like, I'm behind stage, about to get on the stage in Scunthorpe. And this guy's like, oh, you're not going to do any of that motivational shit, are you? And I was like, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. And I started speaking. And I remember just seeing, like, yeah, like you said, like those mining kind of type of guys that are just like, oh, are you? <laughs> Almost. Yeah. And I was speaking, and they were just, like, heckling and all sorts. But then I was like, yeah, I played with it, but it is that whole, yeah, it's culture as well. It's like there, there's a culture up the north yeah. of being mm-hmm. tough, no yeah. t-shirts to football games yeah. and all of that. So yeah, you guys are like, you're doing something that's very different and you're going to hit a lot of people, a lot of men, man. I think I just, I think regardless of even with gender, I mean not gender, with race, you're going to reach a lot of men that are that have been waiting ages for something like this to happen. It's almost like, you know, people coming out of the closet in football, for example. This is what's happening in well-being. People are coming out of the closet and taking their masks off and sharing their vulnerabilities, but in a place of empowerment rather than shame. Yeah. And it's yeah. like you like you said, like you said, like 85%, about 80% of your clients have been female. Mm-hmm. It's like, why does that have to be? Just it's statistically, men's mental health is worse, but it's just massively underrepresented. That, that's why it is worse. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. Because <laughs> they're, they're, they're not reaching out. You know, like being a man, it's just like, you know, you get told it, don't you, when you're young and growing up? You know, to be a man, you've got to, you've got to drink, you've got to smoke, you've got to eat red meat. But ironically, if you consume those things regularly, they're actually detrimental to your health and your yeah. manhood. Yeah, if you get what I mean. Yeah, things don't lift up, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. Yeah, it is. Boys, right? You know, like (laughs) if if I if I tell you, right? If you think of someone who is your stereotypical like nerd, what do you think of? Comb over, glasses, glasses. 
Yeah. No matter what city you go into, you'll see the same types of people. If I said to you, think of a goth, they all look the same, walk the same, talk the same. In every, so guys that have, you know, like salespeople or estate agents, they all walk the same, walk the same, walk the same, look the same, talk the same. And again, being a man, they've dressed up like this is how you should be. If you are a gangster type of man and you're like, yo, yo, I'm a bad man, man. Yo, yo, like, and every wannabe gangster is like that. And every, you know, football hooligan, they all walk the same. It's like, it's, it's, like, it's just like, we have to break out of this, out of this conditioning that is cloning so many people. Like, like you can, I, don't know, I feel like you can just go to a city and be like, I've seen someone that looks like you, exactly like you and you and you. And that person that says, I want to stand out. I want to be different. No, because I see loads of you as well. And it is, it is you guys are breaking through stereotypes, man. And make it trend like Nando's. <laughs> Mate, that'd be that'd be the dream trending like nando's trend like nando's i want to get a tweet i want to get a hashtag twitter hashtag trending about us yeah have you guys read a book? <laughs> have you read a book actually it's called contagious by jonah Berger. have you heard yeah, of that book I that one i think that's on the list my big one list that, yeah. that book is it explains why things catch on so for example why don't chicken cottage house why is that not the same as nando's why does nando's kick off and it tells you why people, why things go viral. Really yeah. helping a lot with um, creating a movement. And... I'm going to say branding and business. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be good. So, uh, definitely. Write it down, Adam. I'll get it on my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as as soon as, Warren, as soon as Warren gets your, you get your book on audio, mate. Then I'll 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 get it. I'll be on that. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm, I'm I'm going straight on Amazon and buying it. I've been serious. My brother, man. Thank you. And the thing is, as well, like. What I, tell, what, I tell, what I tell people, be like, when you do read it, like, don't aim to just read it once. Keep going back over it. And yeah, yeah and, it, and what happens when you, the more you read it, once you understand it, it's like that picture. Do you know I said to you that picture where, like, you can't see the phone and the whatever, yeah. you see the phone. It's, you guys know most of this, but, like, what I've done is I've looked at this, like, the, pe- the people at the top who kind of control the masses, they use these really long words and sophisticated words in this language that only the small minority of people understand. So what I've kind of done is kind of like looked at the psychology and the language of what they've done, and I've just diluted it so that it's understandable for someone that doesn't speak, you know, that at that language. And I think mm. that's why I use analogies quite a lot because I want people to really make it understandable for them to re- truly understand rather than using long fancy words that means yeah. something to some people but don't mean anything to others yeah we 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 talk about this a lot it's one thing that i'm i'm massive on like turning things into more layman's terms it's the fact if you know something you try and show off that you know it but if you understand it you put it in a way that other people can learn it love yeah. that love it, yeah. so it's a lot of people a lot of the people that especially there's a lot of people on clubhouse that do it they'll talk about things that they know but they'll make it out like it's really technical and look at me, look at what I know. When realistically, it needs to be, you need to digest it, you need to understand it. So you can put it in a way where you can explain it to a six-year-old and they're going to know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's, so it's almost like they, 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 they do that for significance and that's where they get their significance from in knowing that. So therefore, they make it complicated for anybody else to understand it so that they can be at that place of knowing, knowing that. But I feel like, once you're com- once you get your significance in just being yourself, like I don't chicken feed people. I, I, I can I can share everything that I know because mm. I'm not doing it from a 
I'm a speaker because like I became a speaker because I want to feel important in that field no I became a speaker to help people so I think yeah when you gain that knowledge and you're really really in your heart it's down for helping people you want to yeah, make it into layman's terms so that they truly understand mm-hmm. yeah yeah people need to be able to walk away from it being able to take something away and not like I think one of the best questions you can ask anyone is, did you understand that? Do you get that? Yeah. a lot of people, you need to give people that chance to be like, um, no, can you go, what, what do you mean by that? Or what do you mean by this? It's one thing that I, every client, end of every session, the last question I ask them is, did you understand that? Do you get that? Do you know what you're doing now? Because yeah. people, people just don't have clarity sometimes. They don't, they're walking away from things without clarity. And also you saying that as well reminds me of Clubhouse because there's a lot of people that are from the UK on Clubhouse who are saying words that I know for a fact Americans and other people are not going to understand it at all. So yeah. even you saying that, like I'm very mindful of that. When I, whenever I say I'm from a council estate, I always say like the projects in the US or, yeah, I think, mm. yeah, and an audience that we speak to is, you know, they're not going to come from the same understanding or same, mm. same speaking the same language as we speak. Yeah, I think that's, and that's, I think it's definitely tough for my broad northern accent sometimes it's like, yeah, hard for people to understand that are american sometimes but, 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 but you saying like you just asking like did you understand that you saying that kind of helps you to then even to explain it so that they do understand it mm-hmm. you get them yeah. to reach when you say uh do you understand that and they say yes do you say then well repeat it back to me then <laughs> I, I, I think that sometimes it can be a bit patronising if you do yeah. it like that. And actually, you know, there's some people that say, actually, I don't understand, I understand, because they feel like under is you're underneath. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. You understand me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Oh, no. Well, um, we've been going for a very, very long time. We'll yeah, wrap this up here. <laughs> and like... Oh, and like <laughs> I don't think they are, mate. If they're anything like those, my mind is just going. I, oh, I'm le- learning so much all the time. So it'd be definitely something that we'll, we're going to have to get you back on in the future, and we're going to have to dive deeper into some more things. And we'll have to have that chat offline about um, working on something together because I think that that would be absolutely awesome as well. Um, and being able to to build and develop on that and say it, clubhouse, crack house, it's making them contacts. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's People so good for it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I haven't been on in two hours. Come on, come on. <laughs> I know it's like Smith, isn't it? When it was a few weeks ago when we were working in the flat and um, we were, I can't remember, we were on a task and Smith just started to just, you know, slip off yeah. like, you know, 10 minutes before we're finishing this task. And I was like, what's he doing? I looked behind us. He's on Clubhouse, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and it, the thing is, it's yeah, like when you're on... Headphones in and he's like, oh, oh, he's just gone on to Clubhouse. <laughs> when, you're, when you're on stage as well, and it was like, I was trying to work and I didn't have my earphones with me at the time. And he's just, he's just on stage and I'm listening to these people talking. And when you, you can't turn the volume right down, can you? No. So, <laughs> so I could just hear this really faint, like talking in the background or like this is not what I need to right now. I cannot work <laughs> with this going on in the background. <laughs> oh, it's... It, it, they're, they're clever because it pulls you back into it because I think the discussions do you guys like do you guys kind of wonder in other, other clubs or do you kind of solely focus on well I think one thing for us uh, as a business right now is if we were if Clubhouse was six months into the future then we would be on there like yourself like a lot of other people eight nine hours a day all three of us just kind of trying to tear it up but We've got a lot of stuff in our business that is the back of the house. We want to make a course. We want to make different things that are going on as well. 
that yeah, we, we haven't built our business yet, so we can't just run the marketing. So we've got to spend a lot of time behind the scenes building elements of the business. Wait, brother, I just want to throw something out there, right? There are so many people that sell a course before the course is like pre-sales. Yeah. You could literally, uh, with what you guys are doing, you could sell out on Clubhouse and then say, look, this is the release date. It's going to be X, Y, Z. And then you close the doors and you get people excited about it, buying it before. And then a lot, of, I've, done, I've done it before as well. I've sold programs I haven't created. Mm. So I've sold them all. And then I've then, and I've done this actually in my fearless speaking workshop. You know, I haven't designed the outline of the workshop yet, but I've, I've sold it. I've sold my program to over 50 people already. So yeah, man, like I think with Clubhouse, what I would say is that this wave, like any other social media platform, they kind of like, they almost kind of like get us in like, hey, look how many people you can reach, look, look at this. Mm. So, but then once the algorithms and that start kicking in, I know it's gonna be a lot harder, like just most other like TikTok and all of these other social media platforms. So like my kind of like, how I see this is that I'm gonna ride this wave, build up, and then once it's built, then when they start letting in all the Android users and mm. all of these other, like when it just gets basically just filled up, um, it's gonna be interesting to like see how hard the reach is and stuff. But yeah, yeah like, like I think you guys could, you would easily, even if it was like, a, like if you had a 20 pound buddy course program or, or whatever it is, I think you guys could just be, with how much rooms you like host and the branding that you've created in the clubhouse as well, I think you guys would be like sold out very fast with what you do, man. Lot to think about. Lot to think about. <laughs> no, it's I mean, it's awesome. You give it give so many ideas and and you're right as well. It's good. It's good. It's always good having like that out, outside perspective on it and stuff as well. It's it's good. Um we will wrap up this episode here. Thank you so much, so much for coming on to it. has been it's been awesome. It's been incredible to listen. And you give us loads of tips and advice as well. So I we can't <laughs> can't complain about that. Have you got any final words that you would like to say before we we end and wrap everything up? I just say thank you man thank you for inviting me on this show and keep doing the work that you guys are doing man because you're changing life so thank you awesome amazing yeah thank you warren yeah thank you warren so much it's been awesome so like i said before the links to warren's book and Warren's social warren's social media is going to be in the description and um, please make sure you go over and follow him and buy his book because that would be that would be great and um as well, if you are watching on YouTube, then please subscribe. We're going to have loads more podcasts, loads more guests coming very, very soon. And uh, if you are watching on uh, watching, if you are listening on Spotify or any of the other podcasting platforms, a review and a follow would be greatly appreciated as well. But we are going to wrap everything up here. Thank you again to Warren, and we will see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.